Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking TESOL. This is Concordia University's TESOL Resource Center's official podcast, where we discuss all things to do with teaching English as a second language. I'm your host, Sivan. Welcome to the show. All right. So today we have an episode for you TESOL students or all of you out there who are hoping to teach English here in Quebec and want to become more familiar with the system we have here and all the terms you need to know. So today I'll be joined by my colleague here at Concordia's TESOL Resource Center, Sarah. Hi. Sarah is our landscape coordinator, which means she is in charge of compiling and organizing all our resources for TESOL students and newly graduated teachers. So this is from official documents for teacher competencies to video tutorials and also outstanding lesson plans and work samples. And guys, Sarah is honestly one of the most competent, organized and resourceful people I know for real. Uh, so we are in really good hands here today. Uh, she is also a graduate of the TESOL program. She is a primary school teacher and she is a very good friend of mine and she makes delicious tacos. She's working on her thesis. She's interested in creative writing. She's interested in graphic novels. She's just, she does everything. She's amazing. So please, <laughs> I laid it on a bit thick, but it's true. It's all true. So please let's welcome Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. My goodness, Sivan, I'm honored. That's really touching. What a beautiful introduction. Well, it's all true. You're amazing. And I, I cannot think of a better person, especially as our landscape coordinator, you're involved in the project. I can't think of a better person to share with us and tell us all about the system we have here and the terms and how it works. Likewise, I'm so happy to be here with you, Savan. The podcasts are amazing. They're great tools for the teachers out there and the current students. So I'm really excited. Let's get to it. I'm excited too. All right, let's 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 start this. Okay, so first let, let's let's talk just a little bit about yourself before we get into the systems and the competencies and the terms and all that. So you are a graduate of the TESOL program uh, at Concordia. When did you graduate and where do you currently teach? So I'm one of those. I graduated during the pandemic. Um, I graduated in the spring 2020, right in the middle, actually. Um, my last internship was highly alternated. Um, we had to do a lesson plan instead, but it all worked out. It was great. Everything went smooth regardless. Um, and I actually, yeah, I have my first ESL contract in the West Island with the CSSMB, which is the Centre de Service Marguerite Bourgeois. Mm -hmm. It is in the uh, west of Montreal. So, you know, I, I, I love, I, I personally love uh, teaching here. Um, the milieu, they, they're highly Anglophone and Allophone. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I have the opportunity to work with a lot of different uh, first languages, um, which I really love. I yeah. Love diversity. So for those who don't know, um, maybe you're, you're not from Montreal, you don't know this term, what, what is an allophone? The term allophone means that your first language is neither English nor French. So there is a lot of immigration, which, which is the beauty of Montreal. Um, and in, in the school systems, specifically in the French boards, you'll get a lot of diverse students. Um, so, so that's what I mean by allophone. Their first language 
um, would be different than English. Uh, English actually might be a third or even fourth language, which is super interesting when we think of bilingualism and multilingualism. Yeah, it's really incredible. Like we have a pretty unique situation, I, I think, here in Montreal in terms of the, the linguistic diversity. It's not uncommon, oh, sure. you know, here in Montreal Just to look be. At our restaurant. Oh my right? God. Just oh, it's, look it's, at our restaurant. Yeah. We have the best food for this reason. We have the best. We, we have the food. best food. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just amazing, you know, like you can be, I don't know, you can be just like sitting on the metro and you'll, and it is not uncommon. It is not uncommon to hear a conversation where they just fluidly switch between French and English. And then sometimes a third language just gets like thrown in there. I mean, ugh, it's so cool. Totally, totally. And I have to say, you know, side, side, little side note, it definitely affects the way I speak as well, right? I, I find myself, my first language is English. Um, I grew up in an Italian household, um, and I went to French immersion school all my life. And the way I speak, sometimes I tell, I look back at what I say, and I'm like, wow, that was highly influenced by all these languages that I've totally. been exposed to. Yeah, totally. But that's that's I, I find that beautiful. You know, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think we're very lucky here. Okay, so let's talk about that that first year that you had. So yes. Are, are you enjoying it? How has it been? I imagine like there, you know, it's just been challenging because of the COVID. So like, what were some of these challenges that you faced? What were some rewarding moments? Tell me really about this first year, how it's been for you. Yeah, I mean, so as a first year teacher, um, challenge that I faced at the very beginning uh, was when it came to evaluations. That first report card got me really stressed out, I have to say. And, and the reason why I was stressed is not so much because of I didn't feel prepared, but I have a big responsibility. You know, as an ESL teacher, you have between 12 and 20 groups, and uh, that can go up to 400 to 450 students, and you are the all-seeing. <laughs> you, you decide what what their grades will be like, and, and you know, these are little humans <laughs> and it matters um so so that was that was difficult for me um I had to make sure that I had enough traces meaning um enough work samples uh did I have them do enough is there enough proof can I you know and not just for for myself but for the parents right I mean this is their children this is their children's life this is on a piece of paper do I have enough to show uh to justify the grade so that that was stressful. I know this will come up later um, in the competencies, the teacher competencies, but one thing, uh, one piece of advice that I have to give is is to keep those documents, those, you know, we call them the MES documents, um, the ministry documents, keep those nearby, continuously refer to them when you're building your lessons or when you 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 come to the point of okay now I have to enter all these grades what have I collected what can I look at um and uh yeah how to generate this but if you have your resources nearby and and you know pull those up don't be shy um you'll you'll feel more confident that is such such solid advice so what about the rewarding moments like what like for instance okay so you came into this you must have had expectations from the program what what was changed? What were some big surprises? What were some things that you found really rewarding? So surprises and rewarding things. Let's go into those two. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Oh, there's so many rewarding moments. I don't even know where to begin. Um, 
I, I just really enjoy watching the students have fun. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than sweating over lesson building and lesson planning and then carrying that out in, in class and, have, and, and not only seeing progress, linguistic progress, uh, or even student growth, right? That's a huge part of teaching. But also watching them have fun, being engaged and motivated and, and coming up to me and telling me, you know, that lesson was really fun. I learned so much. And, you know, this is something else I learned, actually. Um, time management is so important. But when you run out of time because it was so successful, that's that's something else entirely. And and that that was a surprise. So for sure, I, I, you know. Like they're so sure. into the activity. They're so into it. that, oh, that yeah. It, that, that, that's both the surprising and rewarding element, I think, uh, of, you know, there, there will be plans in place, um, but let loose, you know, um, let it happen, let learning happen, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's really re- rewarding. Um, another thing, you know, is, is the classroom discussion, as I said, you know, when they get really involved and then students start telling jokes and you start telling jokes and puns and you share anecdotes and stories. Um, that's really great. Um, the students, they, they love to talk, right? Um, and if you create that atmosphere, you'll see, you'll see them grow right before your eyes, both, like I said before, linguistically and socially and just individually. And I think that's, that's the biggest reward for me. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like to see this, um, I guess the structure that you, that you build, you know, but then to like, put it into action and see it come to come to life and see, um, you know, how the students kind of make it their own. And I, I think that's really beautiful. Um, oh, so that's I- a big one. Thank you, Savannah. That's a big one. How they make it their own, right? Because, I mean, I'm a facilitator. I, I plan the lessons or I, I get some from, you know, existing material and online. The, the web is great for this. Um, and then you're there and it's all up to you. So, so to see them take that and then not only learn from it, but love it. Right. And, and make it their own, as you said, that that's, that's huge, uh, huge. <laughs> so, so I gotta ask, um, because I'm getting a sense of what it is, but, but do you have like a teaching philosophy? Like, can you, is there something that you can say that like encapsulates what you feel, um, informs your teaching and is most important to you? Yeah. Um, listen, my philosophy has always been, um, classroom community, first and foremost, it's so important uh, to build a rapport, you know, to get to know your students. What do they like? What do they dislike? What are they interested in? And not only for lesson planning and not only for lectures and what to bring into the classroom, but also to make them feel safe, to make them feel like I belong here, you know, Education is not just the transfer of knowledge from one person to another, but it's also transferring the positive vibes, you know, how to be, how to, how to grow up, right? And in and, and society and, and be creative. And so, so that to me is really important. Um, I think without rapport, it's, it's very hard to teach actually. Yeah. And I think naturally, you know, you would see that. This is something that's reoccurring and that comes up in almost every single interview that I do with teachers, which is this idea that like the rapport is is foundational, you know, to allowing everything else to to build upon it. Um, So just out of curiosity, like when it comes to building rapport, do you do you have any like 
concrete tips or things to do? Like what can a teacher really do to, to build rapport with their students? Because this kind of ties into another question that I, that circulates in my brain, which is whether teachers are born or made. Cause sometimes I hear like, oh, you got it. And if you have that, that rapport, there's nothing you could do. You either just have it or you don't. So, um, so, so do you think there's things that teachers can actively do to create that rapport with their students? So this, this is actually a really big topic that came up uh, in one of my undergraduate courses. Are teachers born or are they made? And it's like the, 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 full, the most philosophical question you can ask. And, you know, there was a lot of debate on this. Um, I think that the, the key is, is a bit of both, um, you know, but, but there are so many things that you can do. Um, you can be a fabulous, a fabulous teacher. There are so many things that you can do, uh, both that are more formal and informal. Um, what I've done in my internships, uh, actually, I started in high school, um, in my high school internships, and I didn't carry this over in my primary internships, but I did carry it over in my teaching now in primary. Um, I give the students questionnaires throughout the year, actually. I start with, you know, the natural, like I said before, sharing jokes and anecdotes and, and just being real in the classroom. So that's definitely something that you should be doing, you know, asking questions, but not necessarily only to evaluate their responses, but to really listen to them, get to know them. I always, always ask uh, the students, what languages do you speak? In a funny way, you know, I tell them I'm actually studying linguistics. And although they don't know what that means, I, I, I really get a positive response from the students because I'm being real, right? I'm not putting up this barrier of authority and students. I'm, I'm part of the community, right? Yeah, or even just um, like you, you don't know everything. Like you are, you're, you are oh, actively learning something, you know, like you oh, are a yeah. student as well. Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And you know, part of that, if we're talking strictly like languages, I always ask them how they how to say this in different languages. I, I, I love that. And you know, they really like it too, because it's another form. It's almost like a subconscious form of, oh, she's really listening. I think they, they truly get that essence of, you know, Miss Sarah cares. She, she wants to know about me. Um, and, and as much as that benefits the students, Trust me, it benefits you as a teacher as well, because the more of this community that you you build, right, it, mm -hmm. it, it kind of becomes what we what we learn uh, in, in this course called gamification. Um, it, it's this magic circle, right? It's, it's a place where just, you know, especially that you're going into other environments, right? As a specialist, you're going into classrooms most of the time. So you have to break that barrier and then it becomes English class. So you carry around this force field of this is Miss Sarah's class and you know here we are together. And I think that's so key. I I love that. I really love that because I think like it's just to almost summarize, you know, like this teaching philosophy of yours of of creating community really encapsulates so 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 much of creating this rapport, creating this safe space, you know, showing your your interest. It's really it's really all encompassing. So I think that's I, I love it and I think that would be a, a beautiful guiding light for many teachers, you know, to and, um, you know, yeah. Mhm. Mm 
you know, my mom, she, she told me this thing once, um, and she's not a teacher. Um, and she, she looked at me, she said, you know, um, she said, you know, you see hundreds, if not thousands of children and students in your career, and you will continue to do so, but they really only remember you. And I have shivers. I just, I will never forget when she said that. And she said that to me in such a key moment in my life when I was in the TESOL undergrad and I was doing the internships and I was really nervous because it was one of my first times, you know, walking into a setting like that. And, and she said that and that resonated so hard with me, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're remembered. They, they focus on you. You are, you're the facilitator. You're there. You're their teacher, their mentor. Right. So yeah. It's interesting. Okay. This is a bit of a hack, a half baked thought. So maybe you can help me out here, but um, it's funny because I feel like with that comment, there is a certain pressure, you know, like on the one hand, you're like, Oh my God, I, I mean, so they're going to remember me forever. And I mean so much to them. And, you know, I, like, I think there's a certain pressure, but on the other hand, I think when you also keep in mind, like, I'm not there to just like transmit things to them. Like I'm not there to just give them things and hand them things. And that's why they'll remember me. Like they'll remember me because not that you're an empty vessel, but like that you, you give to them and you empower them. Does this, does this make sense to you? Totally, totally, totally. You couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's how I feel, you know? And I think, I think, that's that's important to feel that way because these are children right they're children whether you're doing young adults whether you're in primary they will absorb everything they'll absorb your laughter they'll absorb your bad moods you know we're we're teachers we're humans we are not perfect and i really want anyone who's listening right now we are not perfect we are human beings we we do everything we can to teach Sometimes our lessons are flops. Sometimes our management strategies don't work. But you have to remember that things happen. And you have to remember that there are solutions. And that as long as you do the best that you can, everything will work out. I think that removing some of that pressure, I mean, yes, it, it, it's important to walk into this saying, I'm important. And this is another competency, by the way, it, the value of teaching, of your teaching, right? You are so mm-hmm. valued, and not, any, well, not only in the classroom, but in society. Um, being a teacher is a big role. You have such an image, too, to maintain. Um, but you also have to have that balance of not worrying so much because, mm-hmm. because then, you know, then you're just going to pay too much attention on being perfect. And that's not what we want. We want to be real. We want to be effective, but we don't want to be perfect. I think that's brilliant. And I think you really hit on so many, so many key points um, and key points that also just merit further discussion, you know, and hopefully like oh, these are things sure. that we'll be talking about um, continually. Um, all right, let's move forward, though, and let's talk about the terms and the systems that the TESOL student at Concordia or just the, 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 the teacher in Quebec needs to be familiar with. So first of all, let's just get into our education system that we have here in Quebec. What does it look like? What are the levels? What do we call these levels? Let's get a, let's get a picture. Let's talk about this. 
Yeah, sure. So, so we have pre-K, we have kindergarten. Um, there is no ESL, as, as far as I know, there, there's no ESL program um, in the French systems. Um, there's, there will be bilingual programs in, in other boards, um, but if we're talking specifically ESL, uh, we have grade one and two, which we refer to as cycle one, grade three and four, which is referred to as cycle two, and then we have grade five and six, which is cycle three. So there are three cycles in total in primary. In terms of secondary, secondary is a little simpler in the sense that you have secondary one, secondary two, which is considered cycle one in high school. Okay. Um, then you have secondary three, four, and five, which is considered cycle two. The competencies are the same throughout. For so, sure. So just to reiterate, in second in secondary, which is high school, just because let's yeah. say you're coming from the States, here in Quebec, we don't have, there's no middle school. We just have no. basically elementary school, which is primary. And then we have secondary, which is high school. There is no middle school. So, um, so, so sorry, sorry, Sarah, just to go back to what you were saying there, there are two cycles, right? Um, in secondary slash high school. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for secondary, uh, secondary school is high school here in Quebec. So in secondary, it's much simpler. Um, it's um, secondary one and two is cycle one. And secondary three, four, and five is considered cycle two. And it's simpler as well because the competencies are the same throughout. Now, one important thing to note is for ESL specifically, you have a core program, which is mm -hmm. considered regular or programme de base. Um, and you have the enriched program. So... The enriched program, um, I actually had to do this this year. It was a, a very big responsibility. Basically, those teachers who teach grade six, with the help of, of uh, the admin, you basically look at the grades, the student motivation, what they're capable of doing, to what extent, in relation to all their other grades. So the grade that they get in French, math, history, etc. And you basically come up with a list of students that could be placed in enriched. So imagine, imagine me, Sivan, first year teaching yeah. on my desk. <laughs> I have a mandate. Please decide the, the, these students' future. What does it mean to go? What is the enriched system? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So based on my experience in the internships and what I gather from colleagues, because I've never had a contract in secondary um, is that there is much more novel study. Um, so students will read novels, um, you know, do really large units, where they'll produce perhaps um, something a little bigger than just an opinion text, but perhaps uh, a blog post, um, or, you know, I, I've seen it actually, it was quite interesting, a, a speech, right? So, so it's more diverse in terms of the work that students will be doing and what they'll be producing. And um, there's also a program called IEB. Mm -hmm. um, again, I, I'm, I'm only able to give as much as I, I experienced in my internships with this. Um, this is a program that is one level above enriched. But this also encompasses the students that are able to excel in all subjects. Mm. Um, this program, in the end of it, um, 
they do a big project. So the project can be, from what I gather, it could be anything. It could be, you know, planning or building a website. It could be, you know, creating a blog. Like I said before, I saw that happening. Um, so it's it's for students who are beyond not only the enriched level English, um, but um, in but their just overall. Overall, yeah. Right. Um, Does the enriched program translate to more hours of English or is it really just the quality of what you do in the class that changes? In my internships, I observed it being really just the quality, um, not necessarily quality, but the level okay. of, of work and the expectations as well, uh, right? Mm -hmm. that, that There's a big difference I found in what was expected from students in the core program and what was expected um, from students in the enriched program. And and this didn't have to do with the grade, right? Whatever is given was, was graded fairly. Um, it's just that I, there's more of a push, more of a, yeah, in, 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 in enriched. So, okay. So this is really good to know. So grade six um, is really a big year for yeah. the students in terms of are you going to go to enriched or are you going to stay kind of in the regular stream? Um, so yeah, this is yeah. Mm -hmm. it, so actually, um, there is a program in certain schools. However, not not all of them. Um, there's an intensive English grade six option um, where you it's it's totally different. What happens is for half of the school year, you have you see the kids every day. Like you see them every day. You teach English, um, and then for the other half of the year you get the other half of grade six that we're just doing French, history, math, um, and, and you switch like that. Um, I actually did an internship in one of these courses. How was it? It was really, oh, it, it was really interesting. Um, it was actually my first one as well. So it's the first thing I saw. I jumped right into it. I really liked it. Um, you can imagine that one of the main things that you can do in a class like this is the community building, right? So, so usually these teachers have their own classroom um, and that's when you can have your own bookshelves and you can put your posters and it, it becomes your room. Um, and yeah, so, so this is called an intensive English class and it's offered in a few schools, but um, it's an interesting concept actually. And this intensive English class, you said this takes place in grade six or what is the grade that usually will do this? Only only grade six. Only grade six. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to um, plug my past episodes, but um, in my episode, the the Quebecois learner's perspective, I talked to my friend whose name is also Sarah. Oh my goodness. I just realized oh. this now. Um, oh. Very, very good friend of mine. And actually we, we discussed, because she was in an intensive um, English class in grade six and she like she comes at it from the, the learner's perspective and she, oh, interesting. yes. And she says exactly that. She says it was it was such a great experience for learning English. Her, She felt like her level just skyrocketed. And she mentions exactly what you just said about why she feels it was so successful because uh, she felt that they built this community and she felt like totally that the teacher cared and that they, and that, and it wasn't only just the teacher, it was her peers. Like everyone was supporting each other in it and they were immersed. And she said, actually, at the end of it, they did this class trip to Toronto and Niagara Falls where they got to put their English into practice. And she, for her, it was really the best learning experience. And it's funny because then she contrasts that with high school and she was like, 
because she she wasn't just like the regular program and it was yeah it was a total difference there was not that same sense of community and there wasn't that same sense of her peers like being in it as well you know so I think that's also huge so it's funny because we we really have the two sides now like you're basically saying the teacher's perspective yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well well what I think about this intensive I think it's brilliant because you know there's this theory attached to learning languages um, the exposure, the constant exposure is so key. Uh, you can totally tell. You, it, it would, it's interesting. You saw, and I was only there for about five weeks. I can't imagine the homeroom teacher, right? Because you're essentially like a homeroom teacher. Um, seeing the progress from, you know, just the basic English and then how the, he or she is able to mold this these, this group of students into English speakers. Um and, and yeah, you can do these fun trips and you can do because you have more time. So it's definitely a whole different ballgame, um, but it's, it's different. And, uh, you know, some people that I spoke to prefer it. Some actually don't prefer it. So I think it, it really it really has something to do with the, the, the type of teacher you are as well. So, yeah. Very interesting. So it's good to know that this is this is just another part of our system. Um, and, and for these intensive classes, is it the teacher who recommends that a student goes to them kind of like the enriched or can the students register for them on their own accord? Do you know? So it's kind of like um, so it's kind of like a teacher parent agreement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, these courses, essentially, they get built. And, you know, it's not necessarily the best English student. Again, um, if you're Anglophone, you don't really have use for this program, ironically, right? Because Mm -hmm. the intensive program is supposed to enhance your skills, uh, your English speaking skills or writing skills or just overall proficiency because you're continuously exposed to English, right? So it's kind of like, it's exactly in its name. It's intensive. Um, So, so, among like the school, the school kind of decides the principal gets involved, the parents get involved as well. Um, a parent could refuse this. Okay, interesting. Well. So okay, so it is really a discussion and it's a decision of the mm-hmm. parent, of the of the school, of the teacher. Okay, this is good to know. And this is really interesting. It's also important to note that the only ministry exam in English is secondary five. Um, so as much as yeah, I mean in, in primary, you know, you're learning English, you you're you're basically providing the knowledge they need uh you start with writing um in in cycle one primary so grade one and two writing is not part of the competencies um so you can see that this is an afterthought however you know the the older the students get come grade six they should be able to produce coherent text because in secondary you know they they continue this writing process but then in secondary five there is a ministry exam so you can kind of look at it as it's constant growth, mm-hmm. constant skill development up until secondary five, you know, when you graduate from high school and then you have a ministry exam. Okay. Okay. So this is very good to know. And so secondary five, of course, this is technically grade 11. If you think of it, of it that way, this is the last mm-hmm. year of high school slash secondary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then what happens afterwards here? Because we have a different here in Quebec than... Um, than they do in the rest of Canada and I, I think like the rest of the world. I don't know any other the, place. Uh, yeah, the rest of Canada, um, as well as the United States, uh, mm-hmm. again, like you, I'm not quite sure how that works 
um, in terms of, you know, other places in the world, but also Canada. Like, isn't that interesting that Quebec adopted this different way um, from our from our neighbors, literally? <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have we have a really different system here, right? Because after you graduate high school here in Quebec, you don't go straight to university, right? Like we have CIGEP, which is essentially a two, it could be three year if you're doing a professional degree um, program where you kind of have a lot more liberty um, in choosing your your classes and what you want to study. But in CIGEP, what's what's interesting is that there are mandatory core classes that you have to take. So let's say, for instance, like for my situation, I wanted to study languages. Um, so my core classes would be like German and Spanish or whatever languages I chose. But at the same time, I still had to take English. Oh, I yeah. still had to take French and I had to take humanities and I had to take gym. So these are actually your core classes. Um, so we have CJP, we have this whole other system and a lot of ESL teachers here set their sights on teaching in CJP because those those are great English teaching jobs, but uh, but that is this is this is for a whole other <laughs> this is a whole yeah. other conversation. Yeah, 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 for sure. But you know, it's important to note that like you can you can teach ESL um, at the CEGEP level. Um, I'll speak only for Dawson, just because I went there. Uh, that's where I graduated CEGEP. But um, for example, Dawson has an ESL uh, course for for its students. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that this has to totally do with their level of English and then their entrance exam. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can also teach at a CGEP level. Yeah. Um, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And these jobs are pretty sought after because um, it's, it's, there's a lot of flexibility, I know, with teaching in CGEP. Um, and, uh, and it's also a certain age group, like you could be teaching in CIGEP to, well, mind you, I mean, CIGEP, like there's actually all levels, but mainly they're going to be like, you know, 18, 19, 20 around that ballpark. Um, but then you can also be teaching adult classes in CIGEP as well to adult students, um, in the evening. So there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, but yeah, and then, so CIGEP is generally two years, could be three years. And then after that's when you start university here, if you're going to go down that route, um, here in Quebec and it's three years. So you, you, you take off normally it's four years, right. In the rest of Canada and the U S but here in Quebec, it's only three years. So that's really the continuation of it, but we're really going to focus. Um, yeah. In this interview, as you know, we're going to focus on, um, primary and secondary. So, um, let's get into the competencies because this is something that teachers need to know. Everything centers around these 12 competencies that we have here in Quebec. So, what are they? Um, why do we have them? And how are they going to come up in your career um, as, as a teacher? Let's really get into the 12 competencies that we have here in Quebec that are so important to know and that as a TESOL student, you are going to become super, super familiar with them. Um, let's get into these 12 competencies. Why are they? What are they? Why are they important and how will they come up in your career as a teacher? Let's talk about that. Yeah, actually, so these competencies are super important for two reasons. Um, The first is that this is what you're basically going to be evaluated as a pre-service teacher in the BN. Um, Different classes will target different competencies, sometimes more than one. um, And that will be super clear to you uh, when you enroll. Well, if you're enrolled. The other thing is, when you're a teacher, when you're starting off um, the first two years before you get permanency, you have to be referred for, uh, by, the, by the school you work at. So 
um, the the either the principal or the vice principal will come into your classroom at one point and evaluate you uh, based on these competencies. So they're important not only because they're very prevalent in your BN, um, but also because they follow you once you graduate um, and just to ensure that you know you are a qualified teacher and that you you know what you're doing. Um, so, so that's why they're super important. So let's talk about, um, what, what are they, what are these 12 competencies? Um, and, uh, yeah, let's basically just try to summarize them a little bit. Yeah, I'll summarize them. So there, there are 12 actually word is that there is a 13th. I don't know what this 13th is. Um, Mysterious 13th competency we're, we're hearing about. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, but yeah, that's true. Um, and for so for now, this is being recorded. What are we? We're at the beginning of March 2021. Um, but this episode will likely be released in the summer in May. Um, so by then, we could very well have 13 established competencies. Um, but just in case, just so you know, like we're not going to get into that mysterious 13th competency today. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but. Um, all the information about the competencies, the updated information will be available in our TESOL Resource Center. So specifically in the landscape component, which is what Sarah is in charge with, all the right documents will be there. So if you're listening to this in the summer and you're like, wait, what is this competency? I need to know. All the information is available also in our Resource Center, just FYI. All right, let's go back to the competencies, (laughs) the 12 established competencies. And what are they? Yes, thank you, Savan. Um, so I'm going to group them. So competency one and two refer to your, yourself as a, as a professional teacher. Um, it's about being aware of the, of the English language, the English culture, the student cultures, um, being open-minded to the different viewpoints that the, stu- you know, that the students will have, um, what they will bring, and basically being able to establish these links in, in class, right? Um, it's also the way you use English. Um, competency two refers specifically to um, being able to communicate, you know, your, your ideas, um, to, to use appropriate language when you're talking to uh, colleagues, parents, students as well. But it has a, a second side to it. It's also being able to recognize students' mistakes in speaking and in writing, um, and as well as to continuously strive to enhance those skills. Right, like we were saying before, we, we can't be perfect. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but um, there are things that you can do. There's there's training that will be offered to you throughout the year from depending on which school board you are. Um, so so you'll you know you'll be fine. You'll be able to enhance those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have competencies three to five, which I would put under the umbrella of developing teaching and learning situations, um, ensuring that you have an instructional instructional approach related to the content in the Quebec education program to be able to facilitate these lessons and this content in classroom to support the students, to guide them, encourage classroom cooperation, as well as to evaluate their progress. Um, The competency five is specific to the way you are able to assess a student's mastery of the skills. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, so so it's lesson say, planning, it's assessment, it's really like actual, like you're, you're teaching in the classroom, actualized. 
exactly exactly um whereas one and two it's about you know being acting like a professional pretty much right okay yeah um, makes sense Okay, so that's so that's competency three to five. Let's talk about competency six. Yeah, competency six is I would I would interpret it as classroom management in the sense that it's how you involve students in the classroom, how you develop strategies to make sure that, you know, there's optimal learning in the class. Okay. So classroom management, mm -hmm. It's also to be um, on your game, pretty much. So to to find solutions uh, when when things arise in the in the classroom, you know, um, or or rather also to to find strategies to prevent these things from happening, such as you know oppositional behavior um, or even little things such as the way you structure and time your lessons. Um, so so all that falls into this competency here. So solid, very important. Yeah. So then um, you have competency seven, which is specific to adapting to students' needs um, and disabilities as well. So learning disabilities, um, you know, this will be something that you'll, you'll see a little bit in the BED, um, but I have to say, you know, you'll really get the, the bulk of this in your internships. Um, the teachers right away will let you know which students have IEPs, which is individualized education plans, um, which are developed for students uh, by teachers, by um, the, the schools themselves um, to accommodate students. And, and, you know, these learning disabilities, it could be um, a student who is on the autism spectrum and it could be a student that has a hearing aid, uh, okay. for example. So this is something that, you know, from, from me to you, listening uh, out there really depend on your um on your internships for okay. all this knowledge okay so that was competency seven let's get into competency eight yes this uh, competency is actually pretty straightforward it has to do with your use uh, of icts this is uh, a term you're going to hear pretty often in the in the BED, um, it means informational computer technologies um, so it's basically how well you use uh, you know, ICTs, computers, media in the classroom. But it's not only that, it's actually also being a model for students um, and showing them what they can do with ICTs, but also the dangers, what not to do. Um, I would call it literacies for technology use, actually. I love that. I think that really sums yeah. it up. That's very, very clear to me. Um, okay, excellent. What about competency nine? Yeah, so I'm actually going to uh, put competency nine and 10 together. So competency nine is to cooperate with the school staff, parents, community in general, to make sure that you're involved. Um, there'll be committees, after school projects. Um, and competency 10 involves your cooperation as an ESL specialist with other teachers. So what will happen sometimes is maybe you're not the only ESL teacher for that grade. Um, maybe you're also invited, especially in secondary, um, this is what I saw in my internships, you'll be um, invited to a lot of cycle meetings. So let's say all those secondary four teachers are getting together for whatever reason to discuss behavior, to discuss uh, field trips, um, projects, or anything of the, of the like. Um, you'll you'll most likely be involved. Um, and it, it's really important to show up. To, you you want to know what's going on. Um, it really makes you part of it. 
so important. Okay. Yeah, extremely. So that is so that's um competency nine and ten together. So what about competency eleven? Yeah. So competency eleven. This one is interesting. Um, it, this is what we were talking about before. We were getting hot and heavy about it. It's basically how well you can reflect on yourself as a teacher and using the available tools, um, even teacher research, you know, new theories, um, all, all these things so, so that you, you grow as a teacher. So, so that's what we were talking about, right? This is this precisely was, what we were yeah. getting into. <laughs> yeah. Growth and reinvention and reflection. Yeah. And Perfect. so the good news is it is a competency. So not only is it kind of like that, are you born with it, you know, or is it something that you learn? Um, you, you'll learn how to do this. Uh, it sounds like it, it's a funny thing to say, but um, you'll also recognize, which this kind of ties into the last competency, um, competency 12, is you'll learn to recognize your, um, your responsibility and your role as a teacher. Um, in competency 12, it really it's to demonstrate your ethical and you know your your responsible professional behavior, um, and and making sure that you you do your teacher duties and ensuring that the students are safe at all times. Um, to demonstrate sound judgment, to respect you know all the diversity around you, avoiding discrimination, and uh, and again just understanding your value and your the importance of your role in society. So it seems like with these 12 competencies, these are kind of like what you can always refer to. And if you basically go through them and satisfy them, like this, this is not only what you'll be assessed on, but I think like for your own assessment as a teacher, this is a good thing to keep in mind because it's all, it's very holistic. There's, it seems like there's so much in each of the competencies um, that it's good to refer to them constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and totally. And I have to say this conversation about the competencies might sound so daunting. I promise you these will develop naturally. Um, you know, the undergrad program at Concordia University does such a good job in making sure that not only are you developing these competencies in, you know, in the courses, but, you know, in the, in the, um, the syllabus, it'll tell you, you know, this is what we're, we're looking for. This is how you'll master this competency. So that, that really gives you the confidence. Um, it sounds like a lot, um, but it's, it's, you'll see, it'll become part of you actually. Oh, oh, for sure. And, um, yeah. and yeah, and also, I mean, that this podcast and this recording, because sometimes, you know, people really respond to things that are, are presented in different ways in audio and visual ways. So this is kind of like a springboard. But I mean, I encourage you, I'm sure, Sarah, you encourage this, we all encourage this to like, you know, if you're thinking of going into the program, and this is all very daunting, read through them, you know, and have the the audio and the visual um, alongside each other. Um, and and it, it will come, it will come, it will come. It'll it will great. come. Yeah, yes. for sure. It will. It will. And yeah. I think that the more, you know, the more you grow throughout the program, you kind of sort of see how, oh, you know, I've mastered this. I can do this. Um, so that that truly is something to look out for. Yeah, that's that's amazing. OK, so competencies are super important. I'm really glad that we outlined that. Let's move forward and let's talk about the, the acronyms and all these terms that the TESOL student you are 100% going to encounter. Um, but, but it can be a bit overwhelming. You're just hearing all these new terms. So let's go through them. Uh, I have some pre-prepared. We're just going to talk about them and go through each of them. Let's get to it. 
So the first one is mees. So M-E-E-S. Hear this all the time. At first when I heard it, I'm like, what is this? What is it? What is it? Yeah, the famous mees. Um, so that's how we, we say it. We say the mees, the mees. You'll hear it all the time. Um, so this is Ministère de l'Éducation et de l'Enseignement Supérieur. That's what it actually is, letter per letter. Um, it's it's just, it's the ministry, the, the Ministry of Education. So anything MIS related means that it's official, it's documentation or uh, anything related to the ministry and education in Quebec. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Let's get into the next one, which is speak. And when I say speak, the actual initials here are S-P-E-A-Q. Okay. So let's talk about yeah. what does this refer to? Yeah. So, um, okay. So speak, um, before getting into what it means, <laughs> they're all, they're all French terms. Um, I just want to bring up that this is one of many conventions for professional development that students can attend and teachers, teachers go to this as well. Um, as a undergrad, uh, student in the VA at TESOL, you have to attend one of these once a year. It's part of the program. Um, so this is just one of them. And the reason why we're bringing this one up is because there are so many Concordians that collaborate in this uh, event. Um, and, um, it, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a really great place. It's a, it's a website. Um, it's, um, it's an actual physical convention, uh, during the pandemic, it was done online, uh, prior to the pandemic and in the future, there are actually conventions that you can go to in Montreal and, and, you know, even in Quebec, actually, one of, one of the big ones was in Quebec city. Um, and it's basically a place where there are speakers and guests. Uh, that, that talk about anything related to teaching English as a second language. Um, so speak means, excuse my French, Société pour le perfectionnement de l'enseignement de l'anglais langue seconde au Québec. So it's, it's directly related to ESL teachers in Quebec. So not just Montreal, again, not just Concordia, um, but in Quebec. It's pretty big, uh, actually, and you'll see this appear. I mean, if you go into the uh, the Tesla landscape section in our Tesla RC, you'll you'll find the link there, so you can go ahead and click it, and you'll also find other um, events and you know organizations for professional development. This is very good to know because speak right. It's yeah. conventions, but it's also like community, right? And there are so many right. facets of it. Like there are awards that are offered and grants. Oh, and, yeah. and it's 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 really it's really big. So this is a very good one to know. Um, okay, thank you. All right, let's yeah. go um, now to the C'est Franc. What does okay. this mean? What is this? I know, I know. Okay, the, the C'est Franc. Okay, I'm going to talk about two. If, yeah. If, if you, yeah. Go for it. There's, there's the C'est Franc. There's one called the Tech Fee. Now, I don't want to go too much into what they are. I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a professional in this area. Um but the Cifra is basically, I took it. It's a, it's a French proficiency test, um, but not in the way that you do like a proficiency test for a language when it's your second language. So let me explain a little bit. You'll do a component of writing, like writing a letter to the parents or writing a letter to, um, you know, the principal about a certain topic. This is, this is the test. It's a test to see whether you can do basic communication and you can understand French. 
Um, just to say that this is, and this is really in the context of teaching though, right? Like it's not just kind of general. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, you need a test like this. You need to pass this test. Um, if you want to work in the French boards here in Quebec. So that's something also that's really important. And my advice to all the students, um, is to do this as early as you can. Um, these tests, you know, it's possible. It's possible. You, you'll fail them maybe. You'll pass, hopefully, <laughs> but um, you can always redo them. That's the good news. Um, there's there's also the um, CETC, uh, which means the Center for English Exam for Teacher Certification. It's pretty much the same thing as the CIFRA, except this one is in English. Um, even if you're an Anglophone, again, this is not a, a language proficiency per se. Um, a test per se, um, but rather um, to see your your skills to be able to communicate in English um, for teacher certification specifically. Again, this one is a little more or less, I wouldn't say controlled by Concordia, but you'll have plenty of information on how to apply for this. Um, and it's done at some times. This was my experience at Concordia. Um, but uh, again, do it as early as possible. You can retake this. Um, there could be a limit. This is something you'd have to discuss uh, with your professors. Um, but you can retake it. That's the good news. So it would be best to get them out of the way. Uh, that way, if for whatever reason you do have to retake them, you have time and you can get certified properly and get your brevet when you graduate. Your brevet. What is this brevet. mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your brevet, B-R-E-V-E-T, um, it's not an acronym of any sort, it's, it's actually called a brevet. It's basically ton diplôme d'enseignement. It's your uh, it's your diploma certification to be a teacher. In Quebec, and, and, and you know, those of you enrolled in the program, you'll have this wonderful course, History of Education in Quebec. You'll get to know all about the history and all that. It's a really interesting class, in my opinion. Um, but nowadays, now we are in 2021, it's been like this for a while, you absolutely need this brevet to mm-hmm. teach. Okay? And this brevet you get at the end of your TESOL program, upon yes. completion yes. of your TESOL program. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it, there's a little more paperwork to that. Um, you have to kind of like fill out a form, send it out to the ministry, you get it back, and you actually get a paper Um like, like you'll get a diploma, and then in the mail, you'll also get this official paper that says brevet d'enseignement. This is your, this is your ticket in the classrooms. <laughs> this is it. It's a good way to think of it. Yeah, that's a very yeah, good way to yeah. think of it. Okay, so that's very important. So um, I have one more term that I want to talk about. This is a term that comes up. I mean, it's come, it's come up so much in my interviews. You're going to hear it for sure. And this is your CT. What is a CT? Oh, this is the most simple one. So, okay, we we like to use acronyms, right? They're quite. Oh my god! So, yeah, I know it's a lot, but you'll get used to it. I promise. I promise everyone. Um, a CT is basically your cooperative teacher in your internships. So when you do your internships, there's you. There's a student teacher, ST. There's the cooperative teacher which is a CT, and then you have a university supervisor that we just call university supervisor. Um, But essentially, this will come up mostly in your internships. 
Okay. Um, I'll be honest. I've heard multiple terms. Like I've heard CT referred to as cooperating teacher. I've also heard classroom teacher. I've also heard coordinating teacher. Is this just like wrong or have Um, you heard these? I wouldn't say it's wrong. I I just think they're different interpretations of, of the term, but also what, what it is, right? So you're, you're cooperating cooperative teacher is the classroom teacher um, essentially. So as long as you know that the CT means the person that you will be working alongside, this is the person's classroom that you're essentially going to be working in, taking over um, in your internships. This is this is the CT. Um, they play an essential role in, in, you know, grading your competencies, as we discussed before. Um, so, so yeah, so it's a very simple term, but yes, everywhere. You'll hear it a lot. <laughs> everywhere. Very, very important. So this is a, this yeah. is a crucial one. Okay. So I think we have really our, our main terms. Oh yeah. Unless you want to add some I more. Do have, no, I have one more. I have oh, one more. Do share. Yes. I, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so this one is related to the ministry. Um, it's more for documentation. You'll hear this a lot in classes as well. It'll come up. Um, there is the QEP. When somebody refers to the QEP, uh, they refer to the to the Quebec Education Program. Um, this is essentially, you know, it's 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 every teacher's guide to what you need to evaluate. Um, there's a something called the progression of learning in there, which tells you where your students should be at in terms of their skills. Um, there's a framework of evaluation in there, which basically tells you how or what, you know, more or less. Um, to evaluate in the students. So the QEP is a very big one as well. Um, and just know that it's it's definitely uh, official documentation that you would be needing as a teacher. Okay, and how do you get access um, to it as a teacher? Okay, so actually during some of the classes, especially the practicums and all that, your professor should be able to forward these to you throughout some of the other classes you'll see snippets of it but actually you can find these online so if you write you know quebec education plan or if you write the mees um there are websites where you can get these um we are definitely planning to put as much as we can on our tesla rc uh, website as well in the landscape section um but these are these are public like parents are allowed to have access to this kind of stuff. So it's it, they're not so difficult to find. Yeah, and I want to reiterate, that's a very really good point. I want to reiterate that a lot of this information too, it can seem a bit overwhelming, but the truth is, is that if you visit our TESOL Resource Center, if you visit the landscape component, this is all information that we will have in different formats. So this is the audio format, um, but you can actually access a lot of this um, in the Resource Center. So this is very important to know. Um, Oh my goodness. Okay. You've, you've given us so much valuable, so much amazing information. Thank you so much. Like really, uh, you, you did a really wonderful job of outlining it and explaining it in a way that's candid and that's understandable. And it's like, we're having a conversation, you know, which I find is so much easier to absorb information personally. I find oh, it's sure. so, so much easier to absorb information that way sometimes than it is to just like read an overwhelming document. So, um, so thank you. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to wrap this up a little bit. Um, but I want to end on a note that has nothing to do with documentation, docu- documentation, excuse me, nothing to do with <laughs> all of this stuff and more just to do with you as a teacher. We're going to come back to the beginning of the conversation we had. Yes. 
Um, cause obviously you, I mean, you've shown us and we know just how knowledgeable and amazing you are. Um, so let's end on a personal note, something short and sweet. Um, do you have any like short and sweet words of advice just that you want to leave the, the student with? You know, it's, it's going to sound, it's going to be so superficial, but really trust yourself and trust the process. Just take it one course at a time, one step at a time. There are, like, like Savan said, there's so much documentation. It, it could seem overwhelming. I promise you, by the end of it, you're going to get out of there a star. You're going to be feeling like you're ready. You'll actually be extremely eager to get out and to actually, you know, master your craft as a teacher. Um, and, and as you heard in this podcast, there's so many things. I mean, primary, intensive, uh, secondary, CJEP. I mean, it's endless. And I am quite sure that you'll find your place in this in this teaching uh, teaching world oh for sure and I mean and and if you're struggling I mean this is also the purpose of our TESOL Resource Center we're building a community we're here for you we are here to support you know of course another thing I'm going to plug our mentorship program you know if you are a um, if, if you are a recent graduate you're starting your career and you're like oh my god what is going on get a, <laughs> get, get a mentor you know like we have a mentorship oh, and, program and- yeah mm-hmm yeah, and, and that's a good point. Good point. Stay connected. Oh, we know. We know this connectedness stuff is so important. We just lived through a pandemic. Um, but, but stay connected. Stay connected with anyone that can help you, mentor you. Like, like Savannah said, we have a mentorship program. But also friends. Build friendships. And they don't have to be your BFFLs for life. And, and, but make sure you have some sort of connection, um, some sort of community group with other teachers because, you know, and, and a professor in the, in the department, very important professor to me, um, once, once told us this when we were just, you know, young, young at heart, young in, 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 in terms of, you know, young teachers and young students. And, and she at said, the mm-hmm. yeah, and, and she said, the only other people who will understand what you're going through as a teacher, both the negatives, the positives, everything, will be other teachers. So stay connected. Stay connected. <laughs> Ooh, on that on that note. On that note. <laughs> I, I think it's a brilliant note to end on um, and to carry with you as you go on with your day or whatever you're doing after listening to this episode. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. I provided such great information, super insightful. Um, And thank you, listeners. So please visit our website, listen to other episodes of Talking Tessel, visit the landscape component of the the website again, where you can find all of this information. And uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. And please. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, join us next time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you.